Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're broadcasting from my hometown of Los Angeles this week, where it's still up around 80 degrees during the day, while the rest of the country is absolutely freezing under snow and ice. Now, for some reason that I'm not sure of, we've got a good listening audience in Vietnam, and it actually snowed there for the first time in dozens of years, and it also snowed in Cairo in Egypt for the first time in over 100 years. So the weather, like American politics, is Weird. We're only now one week away from Christmas, and only two weeks away from 2014, and I'll be broadcasting both on Christmas Eve and also on New Year's Eve. I uh, Next week, I'll be at a friend's home in Williams Lake in Canada for my second white Christmas in a row, so I'll be broadcasting from Canada next week. This will make my seventh broadcast from outside the US this year. And I can now add Canada to Switzerland, India, Dubai, Australia, Germany, and Hong Kong that we visited, that we have broadcast from. Now, as you know, this, um, this show is all about saluting entrepreneurs. And I just love the story that came out this week about Leo Grand. He's a homeless coder who finished his app, and you can download it right now. Now, I'm constantly being told by people who have every advantage in the world just how tough things are for entrepreneurs, how hard it is to get funding, how hard it is to get companies to joint venture with you, and 10,000 other reasons why people aren't successful despite their self-confessed brilliance and the fact that their app is the next million-dollar project. Well, Leo is homeless. He sleeps on the streets in Manhattan, where, as you know, it is bloody freezing, or actually well below freezing. He's been homeless since 2011, when he lost his job at MetLife and was subsequently priced out of his neighbourhood. So he's been sleeping on the streets. In mid-August, he was approached by a young programmer named Matthew McConnell. Conlogue, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce that, but it's M-C-C-O-N-L-O-G-U-E, who offered him a choice. You could either have $100 in cash or he would teach Leo how to code. To Leo Grand's credit, he rejected the money, which he desperately needed, obviously, and he took lessons in coding. Matthew bought Leo a cheap refurbished Chromebook and three used books on coding from Amazon. Leo was also lucky to find a New York doorman who would charge his second-hand, second-hand Samsung Chromebook every day, so he had a place to charge his Chromebook. Still living on the streets. And Leo began building his app, but he kept its nature a secret. This is after he'd learned coding, which I think took 14 weeks. Now the app, called Trees for Cars, has just been launched. Trees for Cars, it's a mobile app that aims to save the environment 
by helping users carpool to their destinations. And Leo Grant programmed the entire thing himself on the freezing streets of Manhattan with just 16 weeks of coding lessons. I think that's just fantastic. Homeless takes coding instead of money, finds a place where he can charge a second-hand Chromebook and produces an app. That is an entrepreneur. The app also provides information on how much CO2 the user is saving with each ride, which not only encourages environmental awareness, but creates a healthy competition among users to save the most CO2. Trees for Cars is now available at the Apple Store for 99 cents, and all of the money received from the app will help Leo further develop his programming education. Wow. All of us at the Bob Pritchard Radio Show salute Leo Grand for showing amazing entrepreneurial spirit. And we also take our hats off to Matthew McConlog, I think, for being an amazing and generous spirit. I've no doubt we'll hear a lot more about Leo Grand. So all you entrepreneurs who write to me every week and tell me how tough it is that a genius like yourself cannot get a break, don't bother. I, for one, am not the least bit interested. My only advice is for you to get off your ass and go knock on some more doors. I love entrepreneurs. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a break. You just have to be dedicated and committed and really want it. So while I'm speaking to you today, to you today I'm uh, actually taking sips of coffee. I'm going to have one now. And I'm munching on a fantastic hot, fresh cookie, which I'm proud to say I made myself. It's brilliant. In fact, I cooked two. And they're both unusual, and they're both bloody sensational. My first choice is white chocolate wasabi, and my second favourite is snickerdoodle. Let me tell you why they taste as good as they sound. And the reason that I'm telling you this is because my guest on the show today is Jen Lasker, who is the co-owner of Jen's and Joe's Cookie Dough. It is a great story. And again, Jen and Joe, to some degree, got to include him, is an absolute inspiration to all entrepreneurs. And I'll um, go into that more a bit later on. During the next week, many of us are thinking about what we can give our employees this holiday season as a reward for their efforts during the year and putting up with us. Obviously, bonuses are great, either in the form of cash or a gift. But there are other ways that you can reward your staff that they will also appreciate. You can ask your staff members if they would like, perhaps they'd like you to make a donation in their name to their favourite charity. Or survey all your staff and make one larger donation to the most popular or worthwhile charity as agreed by all of your staff. And uh, I'm big on that because... You know, we've got 40 million people who go hungry every night and we have, I can't remember how many kids, but about 10 million kids who won't get a gift this Christmas. And so um, if you can give money to charity and help others, that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. 
Yeah, one of my staff throws, one of my friends, sorry, throws a big lunch for his staff where the management team all pitch in and they become the servers and the waiters and they serve beer and wine and feed their staff. And and it's about um, showing that you care and that you appreciate their efforts. Another idea that uh, some people do during the school holidays at Christmas is to invite the staff to bring their kids to work so the kids can see where dad or mum works and uh, you can provide some entertainment during the day for them to play and to have fun. And that's always good, builds builds a good spirit. It gives the staff a different um, a different perspective on their co-workers as well, not only the boss. You can also give your staff a massage and a manicure and a pedicure. You can spoil them a bit with things that, you know, they probably wouldn't do for themselves. But no matter what you do, make sure that you spoil them a little. Show them that, you know, their efforts are really appreciated. We've spoken frequently on this program, particularly over the last couple of months, about the ascent of new media vehicles such as YouTube, for example, and the descent of traditional broadcast media, particularly with regard to audience size. However, some quite remarkable figures came out this week that were not about audience size, but were about how YouTube absolutely demolishes many TV broadcasters when it comes to revenue. Next year, YouTube is expected to earn more than $5.6 billion. Now, that's a 51% jump on last year. Big increase. Now, let's say we compare that with the AMC network, which is AMC, IFC, Sundance Channel, the IFC Film Studios. They earn just $1.6 billion this year. So YouTube revenues were three and a half times higher than the network that brought us such massive TV hits as Breaking Bad and Walking Dead. That's incredible. NBC's broadcast and cable divisions, which include a lot of heavyweights, MSNBC, USA, Bravo, well, they'll generate $15 this year. So YouTube, which has been going for eight years, has 40% of the revenue of NBC, which has been going for 90 years. Oops. Changes are in the wind. I also mentioned last week that um, the ideal scenario for brands is to have an extremely popular viral video. There are three branded videos this year in the top 10 most watched videos, which is pretty remarkable. Evian's Baby and Me video, which is the number five most watched video um, of the year. And they've got more than 60 million views. Wow. Good on you, Evian. Volvo Trucks, epic split with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I love that video. It's a fantastic video. That was sixth. And Telekinetic Coffee Shop, surprise, was eighth. Now, I'm very confident that as more and more corporations 
brands twig as to how valuable a tool this is, that next year the number of branded videos in the top 10 will increase quite dramatically, I reckon. Now, we've all become obsessed with talking about the size of social networks, and I guess that's because audience reach is one of social media's biggest advantages, I guess, apart from being able to talk one-on-one with people. And it's very hard to ignore Facebook with 1.2 billion users, one person in six in the world's on Facebook. That's hard to ignore. However, you know, there's there's other measurements that are also important to business. And, um, you know, when, when companies are trying to allocate their time and resources into, into um, social media, you've got to look at other things such as, how much time users spend on each social network and how engaged they are, how interactive they are with content. Now, those things are also really important. BI Intelligence has created an engagement index for the top social networks, and the way this works is that it measures their performance in terms of time spent per user on desktop and mobile, They also look at how the different activities on social media, such as photo sharing and status updates and all of the other things you can do, are indexing in terms of activity and which sites drive the highest value in each category. Among the findings this year are the fact that social is now the top internet activity with Americans spending an average of 37 minutes daily on social media considerably more than even on email. So a lot more time being spent on social media than even being spent on email. More interestingly, over 60% of this social media time is spent on smartphones and tablets. How about that? 60% on smartphones and tablets. And not surprisingly, Facebook is the giant killer with 114 billion minutes a month in the US alone. 114 billion minutes a month just in the US is spent on Facebook. That is extraordinary. Instagram comes in second with 8 billion minutes a month. So that's about what, 6 or 7% of the number of minutes that Facebook racks up. And Twitter, well, that's way behind it, 5 million, 5 billion minutes a month. So Facebook attracts seven times the engagement that Twitter does. So the new race on social media is not for audience per se, but for multi-device engagement. That is now critical. Hence, Pinterest, Tumblr, and LinkedIn are making very successful pushes with their mobile sites and their apps. So on BI's engagement index, Facebook leads with a whopping 50.7, Instagram in second place with 13.5, followed by Twitter at 7.4, Snapchat at 6.6, and WhatsApp at 4.6. So Facebook at 50.7, WhatsApp at 4.6.
So you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and the whole reason that we're here is to assist entrepreneurs to become more successful. So if you've got a question about any aspect of business, please don't hesitate to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com, and we'll answer it on air, or if we can't, we'll email you directly. We're the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs. So no matter where you are on the planet, we really do appreciate and thank you for listening. Now, earlier in the show, I mentioned that I was trying to sneak bites of my wonderful white chocolate wasabi cookie that I actually baked myself immediately before I came on air. This is really cool. It was really simple. I just took the single-serve cookie dough out of the box, popped it in the oven, and 10 minutes later, just before I walked on air, I had a piping hot, freshly baked, absolutely sensational cookie. Now, after the break, I'm going to be back with Jen Lasker, and she's the power behind Jen and Joe's cookie dough, and she's built a very successful business with over 150 retail outlets while working full-time in a day job in order to support and grow the company. This is the perfect entrepreneur scenario. I love it. I had a chance to spend some time with Jen on the Ken Rutkowski CBS radio show Business Rockstars, and uh, she is an absolutely delightful lady and soaks up advice like a sponge. She is a great entrepreneur. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with Jen immediately after this break. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is a segment of the show where we talk to people who are real achievers, people who are making a difference in the world, and we try to find out what makes them tick. This program is all about assisting entrepreneurs to learn from others, people who are successful, and to emulate the success stories. I'm actually sitting here enjoying a cup of coffee and a hot cookie that, believe it or not, I have just baked myself during the first segment. 
just before the show went to air, I threw a single-serve snickerdoodle ready-to-bake cookie into the oven, and by the time I finished my first segment, it was ready. Absolutely beautiful. How easy is that? And they are yummy. A few days ago, I was asked by Ken Rakowski, a great guy and one of the most connected people on the planet. And he's also the head of the metal group that I often talk about that I belong to. He asked me to appear on his CBS radio show, Business Rockstars, in a segment where he has those of those of us who have sort of been around the block a few times mentor up-and-coming entrepreneurial businesses. It was fun. It was great. And the business I was asked to mentor was Jen and Joe's Cookie Dough. And that's where I met my next guest, Jen Lasker, who is the power behind the company. The business is already successful, with Jen and Joe's Cookie Dough being stocked in over 150 major retailers across the country, including places like Gelson's. But Jen wanted some advice on taking the business to the next level. So Ken and I had a chat with her to see what we could do to help. I met her for the first time in the studio. She's a lovely person. And like a true entrepreneur, was very open to some mentoring about her business, her website, and open to other people's ideas. Now, as those of you who listen to this show regularly know... I have always had mentors my whole business career, and I urge every entrepreneur to surround themselves with people who can provide advice on a range of issues. You don't have to take the advice, but it gives you a different perspective and stops you becoming myopic in your views. It saved my bacon a lot more times than I really want to remember. Now, some of you might remember back to the days when Borden's disrupted the cheese industry by introducing single slices. Well, Jen and Joe's cookie dough is similar in that they've introduced frozen individual cookie dough serves in some of the most wonderful flavours imaginable. As I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying this snickerdoodle cookie. It is fabulous. But I think my favourite... I got to taste quite a few the other day, is white chocolate wasabi. Now, who would ever have thought that you'd put those two together? But they're delicious. All of the flavours are actually great. At the studio the the other day, we um, managed to polish off oatmeal toffee, chocolate spice, lemon drop, chocolate chunk. We had a great time. Left about half a pound heavier than we arrived. Now, Jen's the perfect guest for this show. She created a product, has bootstrapped it to the point where they have widespread distribution, and she's done all this while being fully employed in a day job. Now, that sounds like the modus operandi of most of the entrepreneurs that I know. They're struggling to try and build a business while they've got a full-time gig. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It's great to talk to you again. Hi, Bob. Thank you for having me. I have to start by saying that my box of snickerdoodle cookies is empty. I know they're single serve, but it is bloody near impossible to stop at one cookie. They are, they really are yummy, I've got to tell you. Well, thank you. I'm happy to hear that. Now, by day, you're a mild-mannered pharmaceutical sales rep 
and I guess by night and at weekends you duck into the phone booth and change into your super chef outfit and produce these fantastic cookies. <laughs> what, <laughs> that is true. What is it that motivated you to become the world's answer to the perfect cookie? I mean, the, the two roles are so diametrically different. They are quite opposed. Um, yeah, they are. <laughs> it actually, part of my motivation started because the pharmaceutical industry that I'm involved in is a very volatile industry and lays people off in mass every couple of years. And my first three years in the industry, I worked for three different companies due to mergers and buyouts. Right. And I was tired of not knowing where my next paycheck was coming from. So during the last merger and buyout, I started to go to pastry school. I'd always loved baking. I thought, well, this is a time to pursue something that I really love. And then I looked at possibly opening up a bakery and, and um, started doing some things out of my home. Mm. And everyone kept saying, man, we love your cookies. If we could just get your cookie, I'd love to be able to make these at home. So I started walking the aisles of the grocery store and realized that pretty much the only thing that was out there available on the market had a lot of preservatives in it, ingredients that you wouldn't traditionally use in a cookie. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is a product that's missing out there, just something that's made with butter, sugar, eggs, and flour, just like your mother would make it home. All natural. Absolutely. Great. So you began by making cookies at home and distributing them to, the fr- to your friends and no doubt bake sales and all sorts of other things, and everybody told you how wonderful they are, but that's a big leap from there to actually producing them in quantity and distributing them, isn't it? So how did, how did you make that leap? It is. Well, you know, one of the things that we did is we advised with a consultant right. uh, who works in the food industry. We knew that we didn't know anything about this industry and that we needed someone to guide us through the process. Right. So we hired someone to help us with, you know, everything from hiring a graphic design artist, hiring a food photographer, a food stylist, and, you know, most importantly, actually reaching out to co-packers to see who could manufacture the product exactly like we wanted it to be done. Right. And so we just started to dip our toes in the water, and then the next thing you knew, it was about a year-long project of research and development, and we went to a food show with samples in hand, launched it to tens of thousands of people at the fancy food show in Washington, D.C., Right, and started there. So that, I think that's a great lesson for people. So many entrepreneurs try to do everything themselves and think that they have enough knowledge to be able to revolutionize an industry. I think what you did is what every entrepreneur should do. You should go out and find experts, people who know the market that you're entering into, and you don't have to take advice, but you'll find that um, you make a hell of a lot less mistakes that way. That's a very smart mm-hmm. way to do it. So what's the inspiration behind these fantastic flavors? I mean, what, did you, what, what were you doing, sitting down eating um, sushi one night and accidentally got some wasabi in your cookie dough and thought, <laughs> ha-ha, this is great. Yeah, well, we do eat a lot of Japanese food. We love sushi, right. um, and we we happen to have a white chocolate dessert with a little wasabi in it. And I thought, man, this is fantastic. What if we make it into a cookie? It is. It's so I great. went home and started mixing some wasabi powder together, and came up with a concoction. And you know, we found a nice balance. It's actually a wonderful, a little bit of an earthy flavor with the sweet white chocolate. It kind of balances each other out. 
And the other thing, you see a lot of these trends happening out in the marketplace where people are looking for flavors that kind of combine different ethnic foods. Fusion, and, uh, they call it. Fusion, indeed. Yeah, you yeah. see that a lot now in snack foods and uh, beverages. So it was a natural fit to kind of make our line pop a little bit and get people interested. So are you constantly trying new and unusual combinations, or is the current range pretty well set for now? We're constantly trying new things. Um, we have some classic flavors that we still want to introduce, like peanut butter. Um, and then there's some twists on the cookies that I have currently that I'd love to introduce at some point down the road. Uh, we have to get to a point with these six flavors that we have where they're up and running before I go expanding the line. But the lemon flavor that we have, I tossed in some lavender with it once. Mm. And a lemon lavender cookie is wonderful. Mm. If you ever need a taster for any of these cookies, <laughs> um, <laughs> I will keep you in mind. <laughs> Does Gelson's in Calabasas have these cookies? <laughs> Gelson's in Calabasas does have three of our flavors. Yeah, oh, they have the white chocolate with sabi. They have snickerdoodle, and they have uh, the chocolate chunk. Fantastic! That's my local Gelson's. Um, oh. The um, do they also have the mixed? Box? I was just about to say that while. Each of these flavors are fantastic. You also have a mixed box, don't you? Well, what we do is on the online uh, website, we have a store there where we'll send out one box of each. So okay. it's a six-box pack. Okay, great. But So um, I'll, get to, I'll get to the website in a second. But one of the biggest problems that face entrepreneurs is how the hell do I fund my startup until... I'm able to generate some revenue, and once I do that, then I've got the next problem is I've got to, as I expand, then I need to continue to be able to fund it. How did you go about doing that? How did you go about overcoming what is probably entrepreneur's biggest problem? Well, this is the reason why both my husband and I still work full-time. Right. We, you know, we took a look at our budget. We had quite a bit of money set aside just from working for a number of years, and we sure. decided to take that money, and, you know, this is a risk for us. Right. Uh, but it was a risk that we thought we could absorb. We're, you know, we're young enough. If, you know, if we lose a lot of money, we can still recover from it. So I think people really have to evaluate where they are in that uh, place in life. Um, so we continue to work today so that we can continue to fund the company until it really gets up and running on its own. Um, at that point, I will probably leave my job and, and do this full-time so that we can take it even to the next level. Let uh, me... We've decided not to take funding at this point in time because we know that we would have to give away a percentage of the company. Sure. And we want to make sure the valuation of the company is much higher before we go looking to do that. Well, let me just tell you that I would, if I were you, not worry at all about losing money on this business. The cookies are fabulous, and I love it. And I, I think the online business could develop. I know that you are focused on developing the retail business, but I think the online business could be fantastic for you. And uh, for those of you listening, I think I mentioned it, but if I haven't, jenandjoes.com. Go and, go and have a look at the site. They've got a great store there. They've got photographs of every... Of every um, one of the cookies, they've got terrific descriptions. I mean, you read the description and you just got to go to the store page. I mean, it's, it is a wonderful product. So now, when you decided to begin production for retail, 
how did you go about that? Did you start off with a, you know, you have somebody producing the cookies. Did you start off with a big run, or how did, how did you go about doing that? We did have a minimum run to make with our co-packer, so that, that in and of itself was a big investment, and we knew that we were going to have to be shipping samples out to, um, you know, to brokers to get it sure. out there into the hands of buyers at grocery stores. Um, you know, and with that first production run, I ended up donating quite a bit of it to, to a charity right. along the way because we just didn't go through it all. Um, and that's, I think, pretty typical in the food industry. The first few runs, you may lose a lot of product. How, what, how long will the product keep? I mean, it's a, it's a frozen product, so you have, you have an issue with, with that. And incidentally, if you buy from the store, it comes to you packaged. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in a little freezer pack, so it's it's not going to um, it's not going to spoil. And shipping and handling and and the freezer pack is all included in the price. So um, there's the price you see is the price you get, and uh, it's fantastic. So how, how did you actually begin? Did you were you was your first step to go out and knock on some doors, or did you leave it all to brokers, or? Did you go and no, see buyers yourself? Was, or? Our first step was to go to a trade show. Right. Uh, exhibiting at the Fancy Food Show where we had access to buyers and brokers from all, ac- all across the country. So there were yeah. a couple of buyers that I met with at the show there, and I followed up with them afterward. And, in fact, the first retail outlet we went into was a very high-end store in Texas called Central Market. Yes. And I met the buyer at the show and was able to email with her directly, and she brought the product in a couple of months later. It's always a long buying cycle with the grocery yep. business. It could be yep. a year out. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so from there, once you have it in one store, it's easier to get appointments with people in other stores. You know, then next we targeted Gelson's because they're here in our home market. Yeah. And we thought, well, we can really support this here with, you know, friends and family getting the word out. I've gone into every single store to do demonstrations. So, you know, going to our home market, and then once you have two, two stores, the third store is more willing to talk to you. So we've really just kind of built up the reputation. Uh, we're in Whole Foods now in the San Francisco Bay area. When we were in Whole Foods, Safeway got interested. So right. we each sale we build upon, and we really sell it to the next person. And I guess having having Gelson's and Whole Foods, I mean, both of those are quality stores with quality product where people really trust what they buy. So, yeah. um, you know, and I think they're also um, a, um, a market that is prepared to spend that little bit extra to get mm-hmm. the quality product. Um, so when you went to the first um, uh, trade show, did you have certain um, retailers in mind? Did you go in there wanting to target specific retailers? Because a lot of these trade shows, it's very hard for a small guy to get people to come to your booth, isn't it? It is. You know, one of the things that we did, they have a, a new product showcase. So we spent the extra money to put our products in that display area. Good and idea. we got quite a few people who came by just because they wanted to see what was new. Yeah. Good and so idea. that was definitely money well spent, and that's how we got some of the people to come over. Yeah. Uh, the One of the interesting things is that um, your product 
is a little bit different. In, you know, most entrepreneurs, when they have a new product, one of the difficulties they face is getting the potential customer accustomed to a different way of getting that product. And, you know, you've got a very similar situation in, in the grocery business where people are used to getting cookie dough in the refrigerated section and Jen and Joe's is in the freezer section. That's quite a, a source, appears like a quite a major re-education process for the cookie buyer. How, how do you go about addressing that issue? Because people don't naturally... Yeah. Yeah, it is an issue for us. Um, you know, a couple of the things that we're taking a look at is, first of all, doing demonstrations in the stores is key because we get to stand there in the middle of the store with freshly baked cookies. I've brought my um, portable oven in so that people are getting warm cookies right out of the oven throughout the day. And that's the main thing is to get people to, to get taste them live. Them. Now, yeah. Now, that's the most expensive way to do it as well. Um, we're also reaching out to bloggers across the country and targeting the markets where we have yep. a very strong presence in the grocery store because people really are on social media following bloggers, following their recommendations. So we've really reached out to them. Um, I have a PR firm that, you know, in another example of hiring people to do something that you don't know how to do, I, I was trying to reach out to bloggers myself, and I just didn't know what I was doing. So we brought someone on to do that, and we have amazing reviews now from a whole network of uh, food reviewers. So that's been another big example. Um, we also try to make sure that our positioning is next to items that people buy frequently in the stores as well, like sure. frozen pies, sure. so that when they look at that, they they have some other type of dessert sitting there. Right. I think... Um I think I said to you on, on Ken's show that um, I think the website coupled with social media, I'm a big believer in digital media, social media and using that to drive sales. And I think the, um, you, you know, f Facebook, for example, where you can reach people at home and then reach them on, on route and you can reach them when they get to the store and you can influence them when they're in the store and you can influence them again at checkout. And there's so many ways to get to your customers. And I really believe that um, using social media, you know, having a having a, a contest on Instagram or whatever, would um, would drive people to the website particularly, and uh, I think that would be fantastic for you guys. Um, in retail, pricing is often extremely difficult because. There seems to be so much you have to allow for in retail, and every time you get into a new store, it costs, you know, you're shelling out money all over the place. Um, mm -hmm. So pricing is extremely difficult. How did you go about determining the price point? Um, because I, I guess your manufacturing quantities are not gigantic, so your margins are reasonably tight. How, how did you go about determining that price point? We did a lot of comparison shopping out there, and not necessarily in the refrigerated cookie dough world. Um, the prices right now in, with our competition with refrigerated dough is much lower because they have cheaper ingredients that are going in there. Sure. You know, if you're using oil instead of butter, the price is much lower to manufacture, so they can o offer a lower price. Yeah. But we also wanted to take a look at the ice cream world. Because here's an industry where people could get really cheap ice cream if they want to, but the yeah. Ben & Jerry's, the Haagen-Dazs of the world, and now if you look at any ice cream aisle, there are just multiple freezer doors full of very expensive, wonderful, 
you know, the small produce small producers of ice cream out there. I agree. So we started taking a look at some of those price points and where we thought we could fit in. And, of course, we had to match it up with our manufacturing prices and started calculating the different margins that both the distributors will take, yeah. who I deliver my product to, and then they turn around and deliver it to the retail store, who takes another margin. Mm-hmm. So it was a complex calculation in there. Yeah, it is. It's we difficult. Also, yeah. And, you know, we took a look. We have 12 cookies in a box. We suggest a retail price of five ninety nine, which is $0.50 cents a cookie, which is really quite reasonable. Yes, it is. I, you know, I've always been one, all my life I've always said that price, and studies that I've seen says that price is only important to 13% of the population. 87% of the population buy on things other than price. And if you sell your product based on price, people will buy based on price. But if you can differentiate yourself as a quality product, people will pay extra. It doesn't matter what the product is. Um, you know, you go into a supermarket and people walk out with with brands, they don't walk out with the stuff in the black and white boxes or the golden black boxes. They walk out with brands, even though they're both made by the same person. You walk out in the street and you don't see millions of Skodas or whatever the hell the cheapest car is. There's lots of BMWs and Mercedes, um, and that's the part of the market you want. There's no no point playing at the bottom end of the market. You can't win. Right. Yeah, so we think that there's a reasonable amount that people are willing to pay, and I think that people will pay more for something that just tastes better. They, yep, as I said, they're great. Now, the product is called Jen and Joe's Cookie Dough, and on your website, which is jenandjoes.com, I'll remind you again, it describes your husband Joe as being involved because (laughs) Joe rhymes with dough. (laughs) Now, I know Joe's a great guy, and I know he's a fantastic husband, and I know he's a business litigation attorney. What does he bring to the business? Well, actually, Joe (laughs) does a lot of the writing for the business, including writing his own bio. Okay. So Joe has uh, obviously helped me along the way with case testing. He has quite a sharp palate, um, which is important when you're trying to determine exactly the amount of wasabi or the amount of lemon that goes into a cookie. Yeah. There are things like that that we all joke about, but we have to kind of hit a, an area where you get some of the wasabi flavor, but it's not painful for you. Sure. Um, something that the, the mass public can enjoy. Yeah. Um, so he's been integral in that. We, we discuss the business every night um, going over things. So, you know, if nothing else, Joe is the person that I turn to to bounce ideas off of, great to sounding be an board. advisor, a sounding board. We make the decisions together. So I do most of the day-to-day work. Um, he does actually help a lot with the social media aspect of it, um, writing posts. Right. He's written all of the copy text that go on the boxes. And he helps me at the trade shows as well. Joe has baked more Jen and Joe's cookies <laughs> than probably anyone else on the planet. <laughs> I wasn't being smart. I wasn't being smart in that question. I was just interested. <laughs> now, what's the next stage in the development of Jen and Joe's Cookie Dough as a business? Um, you're planning to, you're obviously planning to expand the current range, as you mentioned. Um, are you thinking about expanding outside of the cookie area altogether, or are you going to stick with this for the foreseeable future? We're going to stick with Cookie Dough for the foreseeable future. We think that if we focus on one thing and do it really well that that's going to be our key to success. And we, uh, over the next coming year, we 
have some big plans for expansion. We have 168 stores along the East Coast that's committed to bringing the product in in February. Great. Yeah. And we have a lot of other presentations out there where we're in final talks to get the product in another couple hundred stores. So we have a lot of expansion that we need to focus on next year. Okay. So how do you, can you do that inside your current structure or do you need to have more infrastructure and, um, and how will you, how will you finance that? Will you, you'll finance it internally? We'll continue to finance that internally. Um, you know, we, we have a line of credit that we work with because a lot of times we do sure. have to float a lot of money up front to produce sure. before we get paid. I understand. So we've, we've done some financing like that so that we can still keep it internal for as long as possible. Jen, and in terms of manufacturing, we're still able to do that in our current structure. That's great. Jen, I think you guys are a great example for most entrepreneurs on in how to grow a business, do it steadily, surely, and continue to plan and uh, not put yourself out in a limb and go broke as 97% of all entrepreneurs do, which is a frightening number. Thanks. It is. It's terrifying. Thanks very much for being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your experience and building that business. It's so valuable for entrepreneurs that are starting up a business to listen to stories like yours, I think. Now, if you'd like to find out more about Jen and Joe's absolutely wonderful cookie dough, go to jenandjoes.com. And when you go into your local supermarket, look in the freezer section. And if you can't find it, seek out the store manager and say, hey, listen, this, this is just sensational, this product. Can you please stock it? So just go into your local supermarket. It's surprising how much influence that can have. So I look forward to being able to see Jen and Joe's cookie dough on every shelf very shortly. This is Bob Pritchard, and you're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with you in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking No Bullshit Business Show. Coming to you this week from Los Angeles. Now, during 
the period that you were listening to me talk to Jen, I put on an oatmeal toffee cookie, <laughs> which I've got to tell you is fantastic. So um, I think I might interview Jen every week because um, I get this great supply of of cookies. But um, I meant what I said before. When you go into your local store, give an entrepreneur a break because they are producing a fantastic product. Just go in and say, you know, where would I find the um, Jen and Joe's cookie dough? And if they don't stock it, ask them if they could and tell them that you'll be a regular buyer because, trust me, once you get the first box, <laughs> they, you know, you can't put the things down. Now, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all around the world. You know, it's incredible to me that despite all the different cultures, the emails are applicable and have relevance to all small businesses everywhere. I spent an hour on the phone last night with a speakers bureau in China and uh, we were talking about clients and precisely the same questions arise um, in those discussions as arise if you're talking to an American or Australian or an English bureau. It's uh, The world is a very small place. The first email today is from Mike Russell from Salem, Oregon. And Mike writes, Dear Bob, thank you for a great show. I listen every week and particularly enjoy your interviews. You always seem to have fun with your guests. Now, it's very difficult for us to attract continually attract new customers. And it seems that most of my time seems to be spent on marketing and not on my business. Do you have any suggestions to make this role easier and less time-consuming? Well, Mike, thanks very much for your email. Marketing to attract people through the doors and then sales to sell them something and ideally then upsell them and have them leave thrilled to death so they'll not only come back but they'll tell all their friends and spread the word about your business is what it's about. If you're continually getting the same customers coming back over and over again and they're getting their friends to come back over and over again and they then tell their friends, then you are going to build a very solid business and your marketing becomes much easier. However, in order to do that, you really need to put in a lot of hard yards and create a selling and marketing strategy. You know, no one thinks, I think, that, you know, that it really knocks people's socks off. It doesn't happen by accident. You've got to strategize it and plan it and make sure that every contact point is a wow point. It doesn't just happen. It's bloody hard work. And uh, I've said before, what we do is sit and look at a company and say, okay, where in the company does the customer interact with the business? And that could be on the phone. It could be on the website. It could be when they walk in the door. It could be when they get a delivery. It could be when they get a service call. It could be, it could be a whole range of things. And every single one of those touch points needs to be a wow. And then they go away and say, boy, I love dealing with those people. And they tell their friends and, and your business is built. If you don't do that, you'll lose. There's a study by Harvard Business School that says that um, to be successful, four out of every five of your customers should come from repeat business or word of mouth. And if you're not getting 80% of your customers from repeat business or word of mouth, you will eventually, probably, most likely, go down the plug hole. Now, when you think about it, the most important element of any business is your marketing to get people in the door and then sales to generate income. Um, 
without income, you don't have a business. I mean, it's all right to have the world's best product, but if nobody's buying it, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. So marketing sales is much more important than almost any other element of your business, apart from strict fiscal discipline, of course. But one problem is that most small business owners fail to recognize the difficulty involved in successful marketing. They don't realize how much work it's going to take to market their business and get their message out there. Too many small businesses think that if they have a business and a website and run a few ads, that customers will just come. Well, believe me, they don't and they won't. (laughs) Nothing could be further than the truth. So, Mike, I hope that answers your question. As we do for everyone whose email is read on air, tomorrow we will send you a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, which is my latest best-selling book. And if your local bookstore doesn't have it, go to Amazon. And don't forget, there's an audio book as well that you can buy from Amazon. My second email today comes from Lana Grimm of West Palm Beach, Florida. And Lana writes, Dear Bob, thank you for a great show. I have learned a lot that has helped me with my business. My question is probably one that many others have, but how can I get all of my employees to really care about the business, to really work to improve productivity? I have trouble reading some of these emails. Try to improve productivity and give the company their all. Some work harder than others, but I feel that all of my staff could give more. Yeah, that's a problem that I think everybody has, but I believe the key is to pay everybody a good base salary, obviously commensurate with what they do, and then award salary increases, bonuses, and promotion built on performance. Put everybody on incentives, you know, and it doesn't have to be necessarily directly related to how much money they bring in. You can incentivate the um, uh, receptionist by always being happy, by answering phones quickly, by um, giving people helpful advice, by, you know, all of those sorts of things. So it's not only about people who sell that should be on incentives, but everyone. The most successful businesses are those with high-performing employees and the biggest single impediment to high performance in my opinion, is the lack of accountability for the results that they get. You know, you shouldn't just excuse people. People come in and say, well, I didn't meet my target this week because the opposition's cutting cutting the prices. Well, that's ridiculous. Don't cop any of that shit, you know. Um, There's a reason that they're not getting the sales, and that's because the bloody salesman isn't working hard enough or isn't good enough. All employees should have objective, quantifiable goals which define the results they're expected to achieve. They're then each evaluated against accomplishing these goals with a formal written evaluation process. Now, if somebody's out in the marketplace on the second day of the month and they're running into into an obstacle because of something that the um, competition's done, that should come straight back to the company, talk to to management, tell them what the problem is and get it you know, get something done about it. Don't wait till the end of the month and then try to excuse your whole month's lousy sales. Lana, I've got no doubt that if you do this, you'll find that personal initiative and personal productivity will increase significantly. And as I've said before, if somebody's not performing, 
give them a warning, tell them what you expect, and then if they still don't perform, get rid of them. Lana, I hope that's a help to you. If you include all of those elements in your print advertising and you know, give everybody incentive, I'm sure it'll dramatically affect your performance. Tomorrow we'll send you out a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition, and I'm sure that it will help you with your business. The third email I was going to get to today, I don't think I've got time, so I won't. Um, now, if you're a regular – I was trying to read the email to determine whether I had enough time to answer it or not, and the answer is that I don't. Um, but if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that my guests and I give you each week, I try to ask questions that are going to be of help to you, then please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com, and we're currently – updating it and early in the new year we'll have new video clips on there so um, we want you to go to it and have a look and subscribe to my monthly newsletter the next one which is in will be going out in January first week of January so send in your questions email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter Facebook and Google Plus and don't forget to be a friend or a contact on LinkedIn. We do a lot of work on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is great for us, and I'm sure it will be for you too. Don't forget, if you've got a particular guest you'd like me to interview or a particular topic you'd like me to address, please email me. Actually, I've had three emails from, um, uh, from people this week that uh, wanted to be interviewed, and I've actually interviewed two of them. Two of them have been great. So I hope you've enjoyed the show. We're very pleased to have been bringing you this show since 2011. That sounds like a hell of a long time ago since we're now at 2014. It's a heap of fun bringing it to you every week, and uh, I'll be with you at the same time next week, no matter where you are in the world. And we're going to address the critical issues that address that affect small business everywhere. So thanks for listening to The Bob Pritchard. No bullshit. Business radio show for entrepreneurs. And remember... If you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come every week at the same time. So this is Bob Pritchard. I hope you have a fantastic and very safe week leading up to Christmas. Don't forget to listen next Tuesday night, Christmas Eve, because I'll be on air. And if you're listening to me, you'll be bloody crazy. You should be out having a party and a drink. But if you're with me, I welcome you. This is Bob Pritchard. Good night. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.